millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio. Boris Johnson warns of tougher restrictions ahead. Matt Hancock, the health secretary, has said he's not ruling out further lockdowns. And the Labour leader, Keir Starmer, has called for, of course, I mean, it's virtually every week now, let's have another nationwide lockdown uh, within the next 24 hours, he said. So starting tonight. Well, one man who's been fighting against these measures for quite some time is the Tory MP and former International Development Minister, Sir Desmond Swain, who joins us now. Good morning, Chief Sir Desmond. Good morning. Um, I was going to say Happy New Year, but it's really not a Happy New Year for a lot of people. Great news that these vaccines are being rolled out, and uh, we'll talk about that in a few moments. But not great news that uh, yet another national lockdown, whether in name or in all but name, uh, is, uh, is 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 on the on the cards. Um, do you expect that we will see more tier measures, whether we call it tier five or turning it up to eleven or a lockdown? Do you expect that that will now happen? Well, they appear to be rolling the pitch. So, so one's begun to expect it, certainly. Um, one shouldn't expect it because, frankly, living in tier four as I am now, I'm not sure what more can be inflicted on us. You know, how much worse can you make it for us? Take away our takeaways or what? Well, that's um, what I was wondering. What what does, you know, turning turning the volume up to 11 actually mean? How much, I mean, we can't close essential uh, shops like supermarkets and pharmacies. I mean, I, I wouldn't put that past them. They're mad enough to do that. Um, we, we know schools are, who are we kidding? Schools are going to be all closed very soon because, again, that, that, that madness train has left the station. Um, what else is there? Well, it would, it would be madness to close schools. Just think of what Ofsted said after the first lockdown, which included the uh, closure of schools and the devastating consequences that had uh, on children. So that would be madness. But well, I, suppose, I suppose they could limit the number of people that you could bump into outdoors when you're uh, um, uh, exercising. You could limit the amount of time that you're allowed out to exercise. You could impose impose all sorts of petty restrictions which wouldn't have the blindest effect on the spread of the disease um, and would be frankly completely unenforceable so I'm I'm at a loss as to what what more could be done? Well, this is the uh, thing, isn't it? It's, it's about the effectiveness because, I mean, look, Keir Starmer at every opportunity will always demand another lockdown. And usually he does it when he thinks one's on the cards anyway. He sort of puts his finger in the wind and goes, aha, we're going to have another lockdown. I'll call for it. Then I can then I can criticise the fact that it should have happened sooner. And the criticism always seems to be that lockdowns don't work 
because they weren't brought in soon enough. They're not strict enough. They don't last long enough. The wrong things will restrict, etc. But we tried lots of different versions of lockdown. Lockdowns have been done around the world. Some, I mean, places like Peru. I mean, I mean, the lockdown, very strict, military enforced. Men and women not even allowed out on the same days, for God's sake. That's how strict it was. <laughs> Google Google data shows people were in their homes. This you know, really strict. Spain, really severe lockdown. Both of those countries have two of the highest rates of coronavirus deaths per capita in the world. Um, we, every time time we have a lockdown or any other restrictions and then we don't see any commensurate fall in infections or deaths we're told it's it's a it's a failure of someone of people not obeying the lockdown or something not being done do you think at any point the government might consider the possibility and the scientists so-called scientists on stage might consider the possibility that maybe lockdowns don't work well I suppose it's a possibility that they might show some sense, um, but they haven't given any indication of that so far. I mean, remember the last time Wales went into a national lockdown, uh, the infection rate was worse at the end than at the beginning. We're told, after all, that the greatest spread is is within the household. So I suppose that the only way that a lockdown might work is if we were each to lock ourselves individually in a room and not communicate with anyone else at all. The whole strategy is bizarre and mad and isn't working. And we'd been much better from the outset to have concentrated on trying to shield vulnerable people who are specifically um, uh, prone to the disease because of their comorbidities, and the rest of us had lived normally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the key thing, isn't it? But back into you know, Great Barrington Declaration and other stuff. Whenever I discuss any of this on on social media or on television, it's amazing how many people will just say, you know, you're a COVID denier. You're saying this is a hoax and a conspiracy. Don't think it's any of those things whatsoever. This is a this is a virus. It, it, it has been a pandemic. We've lost a lot of lives. It's very very sad and awful. Uh, and and I follow all of the laws and all of the rules that I have to follow. And all the sensible stuff that isn't even in the laws. Just because you know, I want to keep my family and other families safe. But the idea that we should lock down a whole country yet again, stop children getting an education to protect people who should be right now protect themselves. I mean, if you are over 70 or a vulnerable category and you are not and have not been careful over Christmas and New Year, keeping yourself away from, say, grandchildren and the like. I mean, frankly, you're bad because because that, you know, that's that will be the sensible thing to do with the rollout of a vaccine right now. Um, but the idea that everyone else should have to be somehow shielding for people who for some reason aren't yeah. shielding, who should be, it does strike me as, as quite the most bizarre policy. But the big concern is that even with the vaccine rollout, even once we've got the most vulnerable people over 80 are vaccinated, there still doesn't seem to be a route out of this. You and I both know it's a political decision for us to be in lockdown restriction measures. Um, anyone can look at the data right now for the number of people in hospital, number of infections and the number of people dying. We do not have people dying in hospital at a rate today. This is a simple matter of fact, people. Don't offcom me. You can if you want. I can, I can justify this. If you look at the data of the number of people dying in any normal winter, the, the winter 2017, winter 2018, very similar numbers. We weren't locking down in those winters, and that was from flu. We haven't got any flu at all this year. It's gone, completely disappeared. Uh, people have just got COVID. Now, um, if we don't come out of these measures anytime soon, we're going to be doing this forever, aren't we? I think that's uh, absolutely the case. I think we have to be absolutely clear that once the vulnerable categories uh, have been vaccinated and you then have a disease which is frankly no more, 
if indeed it ever was uh, any more uh, worse than uh, flu. Then no, it is. Ha- no, no, no. That this this yeah. virus is definitely worse than flu for people over seventy. That is categorically uh, undoubtedly. But uh, but in terms of, of the death rate, as you just point out, uh, pointed out, if you take the last thirty years or so, uh, this year is not exceptional at all. In fact, there are several, quite a few years that, that in which more deaths took place. And, that, and that's if you look at overall excess mortality no. across the entire year. No doubt at all, we had excess mortality in the spring. There's no doubt at all about that. But the question is whether actually a lot of those people were people who did not die in a very, very, very mild winter earlier. Mm. Uh, which was certainly the, the, the Swedish experience earlier this year, where they'd had a particularly mild uh, flu year and therefore had uh, significant excess deaths when COVID came. But but the issue for me is this. I mean, I'm opposed to these uh, regulations in principle because I don't believe that it's proper for the state to tell people how they should conduct their li- their intimate lives and relationships. But at least it would be understandable if they had an effect and worked, which clearly we have proved that they don't, they simply don't work and aren't working. uh, And therefore it seems to be monstrous to uh, proceed with them. Just finally, briefly, I know you have to go. Um, When do you think the British people, who it would appear, we're told by every poll, massively support these measures and always wanting more of a lockdown, more of a measure, although they always seem to think it's for another two weeks. It never ends up being two weeks. But um, why? when do you think they're going to say enough is enough? Yeah, well, this is a great mystery of polling. I I mean, I wonder what specific questions are being asked and uh, and the size of the samples and all those issues that surround polling because I have very great difficulty finding these people you know <laughs> I have a huge and enormous correspondence and you know I can count the people who, who say that they're desperate for more measures on the fingers of one hand yeah, I, 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 I don't meet these people myself either. Um, it's even those even those who are being very careful themselves, who are shielding, who have vulnerable themselves and over 70, all of all to a man and woman have said to me that they don't expect, for instance, children to be stopped from going to school or other people living their lives. It is um, it is quite a bizarre thing. I, I hope we'll get to the bottom of it at some point. But I hope I just think more and more people need to speak out. If you're not speaking out, you're just quietly thinking it's all mad. Speak out about it. Write to your MP and do tell them that. Online on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, talk radio. Well, let's talk about this, the effective lockdown, an awful lot of schools this morning with my next guest, Robert Halfen. He's chair of the Education Select Committee and a Tory MP for Harlow. Good morning to you, Robert. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Lovely to speak to you. Um, I wish it was under happier circumstances with everyone getting back to sanity and normality, but alas not. Um, let's talk, first of all, about what's happening with the schools. Um, I was going through all the different announcements about what's happening in different tiers, what the formal government announcements are, but also what local councils and local schools are deciding. And uh, I think chaos is the best description, isn't it? Well, what I'd like to see from the government is absolute clarity and consistency. The problem is the policy has been changing every few days. I'd also, you know, Boris said yesterday on national TV that going back to schools is safe, something that I believe in. What I want to see is the education secretary and school ministers go around the country, especially in those areas where councils are closing schools, um, communicating that policy, being on your programme, being on all um, national media, just communicating to parents. Because what we need to do is reassure parents that actually going to school is safe and the risks to children being at home Uh, possibly much worse, particularly their mental health, their well-being and their educational attainment. Well, this is the thing. It's quite bizarre for the Prime Minister on a Sunday to go on the Andrew Marr show and say that, you know, he believes schools are safe. Uh, when only two days before then there's been a big U-turn in which a whole load of schools in the in, in primary schools in London and uh, some other parts of the Tier 4 areas and surrounding counties have been told to close when secondary schools are being told to go back unless they're GCSE and A-level years taking well, taking exams. Does anyone think the exams are going to happen this spring? Of course they're not. Um, but, but to say that they have to go back a week or two later, um, it, how can how can he say schools are safe But kids can't go back to school. I mean, that's a nonsense, isn't it? Well, this is the problem as highlighted by your co-presenter. This has been uh, why the unions have been able to do what they've been able to do. It's worth remembering, actually, that the unions didn't even want the schools to open in September when the transmission rates and the coronavirus was much lower. And we thought we were over the worst at the time. But what the government needs to do is actually make the case for schools. We know from the chief medical officer... Uh, that the uh, rates of transmission of younger children are low and that actually school closures, that's what they say up until now, that the rates of transmission uh, from school closures are pretty marginal. We know that, thank goodness, the risks to children are low. The chief inspector of schools said yesterday, in essence, that we are furloughing children and damaging their life chances. The Children's Commissioner believes that children should be in school. So the government must communicate this to sell the policy. If I was the schools minister, I would travel to every area in the country where the local authorities are going against public advice and not opening the schools and making that case and making that case to parents because it's the parents that need to understand that actually 
for the most part, it's very important for children to go back to school. Well, I mean, this is it. We know of the damage to children by not going to school. We we know that that's ca- that's categorically proven. We saw in the last proper lockdown, we had about 4.3 million children who had either none or, to all intents and purposes, uh, no no proper education. All this idea of switching to remote learning. Well, you know, if you if you're lucky enough to have your kid at school where they do that very well, lucky you. If you're not, then well, oh well, never mind. Your kid just don't won't get an education this year. And we know also there are people like Jeremy Hunt former health secretary, now chair of the, Edu- of the Health Select Committee, saying he doesn't expect schools will actually go back before the half term. We, we, we did this before. We know what goes wrong when we do this. And now we're doing it again. Why is it that the government won't stand up to teaching unions? Because uh, all, all weekend I've seen these reports of the teaching unions demand this, denying that. Teaching unions don't represent parents. They don't, they don't represent children. They don't even represent the majority of teachers. The majority of teachers aren't in a teaching union. They're certainly uh, not necessarily signed up to what uh, the, uh, uh, the, the teaching unions are arguing politically. We know the biggest union, the National Education Union, it's, it's, an, it's an all but, you know, Corbynista, you know, anti-Tory, anything the Tories do they think is wrong even even when it isn't wrong um, that, that this is a political stance from them and we know that's what it is why why does the government simply not stand up to why don't they put out witty and valence they're so big with their graphs and giving all the whenever they want to give data to scare the living daylights out of us they're really happy to do that why do they not put out the graphs showing quite clearly that schools are safe um, sage their their fourth of November uh, minutes they state quite clearly that all the evidence from the beginning of September when schools went back to mid-October was that school teachers were under no higher risk whatsoever than anyone working in any other workplace. Why don't, well, why don't they put that information out? Well, this is exactly what should happen. We know that information uh, exists, but they should be selling and communicating it to parents, not just nationally, but regionally and going to every part of the country. And if I was the schools minister, I would be ringing up academy chains and local authorities and asking them why they're... Uh, schools weren't open. I do believe um, that it would be worth giving, uh, making teachers alongside NHS workers um, a priority for vaccinations for this for this reason. We know that 800,000 children weren't in school just before Christmas, partly because teachers weren't in school for COVID-related uh, reasons. So if you did uh, vaccinate the teachers, it would completely take away um, any risk, but also any argument the unions had that schools weren't safe to open because the teachers would be uh, would be completely safe. But also the argument seems to be, and again, when, when we know that teachers are safe, the argument then becomes that children are the ones who are passing this virus, even though we know that children aren't at risk themselves. We're told we have very high rates of COVID in children. Surely this is simply because, well, what a surprise, yeah. children are the only ones getting tested because if your child said, I mean, my daughter, she has got a cough, like, for God's sake, don't cough in class. You, you know, you'll, you'll, uh, you, you'll be sent it's home not, for it's also not, And the evidence suggests, from what I've seen from the Department of Education, is that it's the adults that transmit the virus, not not the children transmitting the virus to adults. So, and that again, that information has to get out there. And I think the prime minister, and the schools minister, the education secretary, the children's minister should get out there and explain why it is safe for children to be in, mm. in school, reassure uh, parents, but also as Ofsted has now done, which I strongly welcome, as the Children's Commissioner has now done, warn of the huge risks to children's mental, as I say, mental health, well-being and academic attainment, because we are destroying their life chances. If we don't te- um, make sure that children are a priority of the coming generation, this should be the number one um, issue for our 
country alongside understandably health and the economy but it always seems to be health and the economy that gets dealt with the nightingale hospitals and so on and everyone seems to forget how important education is yeah indeed uh, but the same people who are saying oh isn't it absolutely terrible that we have uh, inequality in this country the same people demanding to have uh, more inequality entrenched by the most disadvantaged my kid other than missing out on netball ain't going to be disadvantaged by this she's got a school that does brilliant zoom lessons all all day I mean, it's it's the most disadvantaged, the poorest children who most need education. The children in the abusive homes, the children that are being neglected, they are the ones who desperately need to be in school for not just for education, but also to escape what's going on at home. Um, well, this, this, you... this is the problem. The remote learning is for the birds for the most part, because yeah. whilst it might be done well in some schools and by some teachers, you first of all got to have a, a, a child or a pupil who opens that computer, even yeah. if he does have a computer. You've got to have a parent. And by the way, everyone forgets the parents' mental health and well-being. This puts enormous pressure on parents. Their mental health, they have to give up work. It's not the professional classes who can work from home uh, that I'm thinking about. It's exactly. the bus drivers. It's the supermarket workers. And by the way, nobody ever thinks about the supermarket workers putting their lives at risks every day. Yeah. No one ever thinks of the refuse men and women yeah, who exactly. come to my house every week. No one thinks of the postmen and women who put their lives at risk. They don't have uh, people saying that they should be uh, at home. And uh, we need to think about the parents too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Children. Uh, uh, absolutely. There's no question at all about that. Just finally, I mean, we're told that in the Telegraph is, you know, very well connected. We know often we hear about government policy <laughs> from a briefing to the Telegraph rather than actually from the government telling us uh, that, you know, the Prime Minister's refused to rule out personal restrictions. Uh, but and talking about this, this tier five lockdown, it doesn't really matter what you call it or, what, or anything. We know if there's a commons vote, we know it will get through because everyone's just is, is just you know, like sheep just uh, keeping on uh, just going on our head with this what further restrictions could we actually have non-essential shops are closed restaurants bars are closed um what 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 other restrictions could we have in further lockdown well this is what i don't understand I mean, my area is tier four uh, like many others i have hardly seen anyone for weeks on end um luckily i've got my wife i've got a job you know i'm very lucky compared to many other uh, people, but I met a um, a young person yesterday sitting outside, socially distanced, um, who is very uh, charismatic, hardworking. But uh, sh she was finding the lockdown of tier four uh, really hard and was losing her structure. And that's just one person. I mean, this is having a massive impact on the well-being. I can't understand what more there yeah. can be than a tier four because everything is shut down. Anyway, and I, I think the government need to show the evidence first, what difference further restrictions, whatever they may be, unless it means we literally have to stay in our bedrooms or only allowed out for an hour a day or whatever. But most people are doing that yeah. anyway. So yeah. let's see the evidence first. Oh, as to what is that? And also, what is what is actually what the difference it will make. I'd be so excited if we did ever actually have evidence based policy, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. Come the public inquiry. Uh, people like you are the ones who are, are going to be proved to be on the right side of history. Uh, uh, but um, uh, sadly, they're not listening to, to you as much as they should. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Schools remaining closed for the foreseeable future. Well, let's talk about all of that with my next guest, Labour's Shadow Education Secretary, Kate Green MP, who joins us now. Good morning, she Kate. 
Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Um, let's start, first of all, let's start on a happy note, the rollout of the vaccine. Uh, what hopes do you have that this rollout of a vaccine that's you know, cheaper, quicker, easier to, to roll out uh, than the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, that this means that we can return to normal at some point? Oh, it's just brilliant news, isn't it, Julia? I think we all want to pay huge tribute to the, the scientists, the, the regulators who processed the um, um, vaccine and made sure that it's safe for us and the NHS staff and others who are administering it. I'm really excited by it. My my 94-year-old mum is due to get her dose tomorrow and we are just thrilled to bits, Julia, at that news. It is our way out of this horrible horror show of a, a pandemic. Uh, but of course, we're still in a position where the rate is spreading pretty fast. So we need to keep that under control while the vaccine does roll out. And of course, we do need to get a lot more doses out there. There are still 13 million people around the country in areas where there are no on-site vaccine um, centres at all. We need to get up to at least 2 million a week quickly. Um, we're still in the low hundreds of thousands. So the government's got a big logistical programme to put in place really very urgently. Are you confident that they can get those logistics sorted out? We're told the military are being brought in and some of the absurd sort of red tape rules and diversity training and fire drill training uh, for people who are trying to return to the medical profession to help hand us out. Uh, are you confident that that will be overcome? Well, I hope so. It's so crucial that those um, logistical barriers are overcome. I have to say the government's track record with logistics hasn't been great. You know, we've had chaos with PPE, with with mass testing, with getting test results back. I really hope they are going to uh, do better this time because the problem is that this really is now a race against time because this new strain of the vaccine is, of the virus is so fierce, it's accelerating and spreading so quickly uh, that it's absolutely important that we don't let that run ahead of the ability to get vaccines into people's arms. So you're right, Julia, getting the logistics right is utterly crucial. OK, well, let's talk about uh, who who should get the vaccine. A little bit earlier, I spoke to a former president of the National Education Union who, like many uh, in that union, is saying that teachers should be among the first uh, to get the rollout of the vaccine. Uh, people over 80, obviously, in the first category, and then it's over 75s and over 70s but in between the over 75s and 80s is is nhs and care home workers uh, she suggested that teachers should be among those key frontline workers who should get the vaccine do you agree well obviously we're we're following clinical advice in terms of the priority order but you won't be surprised that as shadow education secretary um i'm very sympathetic to school and education staff across a whole range of education settings uh, getting early priority for the vaccine and i do think these staff need reassurance about when they're going to receive it not just because obviously it's really important to them and their own safety but because it's about getting our children back in the classroom and learning okay so so when when should they get the vaccine where should they come on the list i, I know there's a list of nine groups i i'm in the ninth group as a, as, a, as someone over 50 um, if you're talking about, say, a you know, 28-year-old teacher, perfectly healthy, no underlying health conditions whatsoever, when should they be on that list? Because uh, we, if they're on the same list as NHS and care home workers, and we know why they should be vaccinated, that's obviously clear. And it's not necessarily just about their own safety. It's about their ability not to pass the, the virus on to those who are in their care um, and to enable full staffing to go ahead. Well, what point on that list of the nine different categories do you think that teachers should come? I probably can't directly answer that because clearly that's something where you need expert clinical advice. But what I would say is that the importance of vaccinating frontline education staff 
is because it enables children and young people to be in class. It means they won't be going off sick, uh, the people who've had the vaccine. Um, you know, it will be protecting them from illness. And, and one of the reasons we're going to see um, schools closing today, Julia, isn't just because the, the government's actually instructing some to close, but it's also because in some places there won't be enough school staff uh, for schools to open safely. So having the vaccine um, in the arms of staff is a way in which we keep children learning. Okay. Uh, well, again, but 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 if we get any vaccine we give to a healthy 26-year-old, 28-year-old teacher is a vaccine we're not giving to someone who's 70 sure. who's got a higher chance of dying. The obvious solution, surely, would be simply to be using rapid flow tests, would it not? Any to Stop teachers having to isolate. Well, rapid flow tests certainly have a place and, and are beginning to be introduced, finally introduced into school this term. It's something that um, teaching staff, school staff and indeed the Labour Party have been calling for for a long time. They have a particular role, the lateral flow tests. They do enable you to identify people who are asymptomatic. It means you find more people who are actually COVID positive that you wouldn't otherwise have known about and could get them out and get them isolated. But they're not the whole answer, as you know. There are some concerns about some of the um, accuracy of those tests. And you, also, but you can take two tests <laughs> and that rules any of those issues out. Yeah, well, and I think there is another issue, of course, about um, how often these tests will be taking place. You know, who will be tested? As I understand it, um, there aren't going to be regular repeat tests of people sent home from school, um, regular repeat tests of their contacts in school. So I, I think the testing programme has a really important role to play, but I'm not sure that we are wholly reassured or that school staff are wholly reassured or parents are wholly okay. reassured rolled out in the most effective way possible. Right. I mean, we certainly know that a lot of uh, teachers, well, certainly teaching unions, we don't necessarily know whether teachers agree with the teaching unions on this, given that teaching unions don't represent a, 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 more than half or they don't really represent under half of, of those working in schools. Um, uh, this concern about schools not being safe and schools being closed... Um, uh, the, the National Education Union basically wants every school closed, but I think they want that most days of the week, in most years anyway, regardless of a virus. Um, do you or do you not agree that, that schools should open fully this week? Well, let me just start by saying I don't really agree with you that the NEU want every school closed every day in any circumstances. I can't think of a day when they're not calling <laughs> for it. To them. But putting that to one side for a minute, of course, I'd like schools to be open. I've always said, Labour has always said that the best place for children to be is in school, in class. It's good for their learning, their, their well-being. It's, it's important for safeguarding, too. It's it's the government that's closing some schools today, you know, closing schools in, in tier four areas, delaying the return of secondary students, to be fair. All schools are actually going to be open for vulnerable children, for children of critical key workers. So it's not really right to say schools are closing, but it's certainly true that there will be millions of children not in school uh, this week. And that is very concerning. And I do think that the government has to uh, get children back in the classroom as swiftly as possible. What's their plan for that? Instead of which, alarmingly, we're hearing from Boris Johnson that he thinks it's likely that there will be more school closures uh, in the next few days, that he thinks these are inevitable. Um, and I find that very concerning. Well, indeed, I mean, Keir Starmer, your leader, has said that he thinks it's inevitable as well. Even uh, the uh, former health secretary for the Conservative Party, uh, the uh, Jeremy Hunter, said he thinks that schools may well end up being closed all the way to half term. But we, we, know the, we know the problems of children being off school. We know that children are safe in school. We know that teachers have no high risk of contracting 
infecting or dying of coronavirus than any other workers. Uh, that, that has been well established. Regardless of all these claims not yet proven about a new strain, we have not seen mass, mass, mass breakouts at every school uh, and, and teachers getting ill and dying. Uh, that's simply not been happening. If that were the case, um, then it would be understandable, but it's not the case. We know places like Sweden able to keep schools open for under 16-year-olds under throughout the height of the pandemic in the spring uh, with, with no ill consequences for teachers. Um, we, we know the damage of kids not being at school and we know we know how safe they are at school. Is there really any justification for the government and for you to back that for, for those schools, to, for any schools to be closed? I mean, certainly primary schools, but even secondary schools up to 16. Well, I think you'd have to ask the government why they are closing some schools uh, this week, some primary schools, and delaying the return. Oh, of because of pressure schools. from the teaching unions. Well, no, I don't think that's entirely right. Actually, we are also we also know that, for example, schools do need some time to roll out the mass testing and to take other COVID secure measures. So that's certainly one of the things the unions are saying this time should be used for. But what were they I'm, doing over Christmas? I, I well, um, with respect, taking a bit of a Christmas break, given that teaching staff and school staff have been working flat out since right back to March. And have they? How come 4.2 million kids didn't get proper lessons then if everyone was well, working flat well, out? Well, then I would say, and why was it that so many children weren't given the laptops they were promised? The That's a fair point. The, they were promised by the government. Here we are nine months into this pandemic, 10 months into this pandemic, and the government still can't have every child who needs to be at home uh, with full digital access for remote learning. That really isn't good enough. So I do think that, of course, I want schools to be open safely. I want every child to be back in the classroom as swiftly as possible. I want to know what the plan is, where the, the government has already said that they can't be in school this week. I want to know what the plan is to get them back as swiftly as possible. There's no sign of a plan for that from the government. Um, and when, you know, Jeremy Hunt, as you say, former Conservative Health Secretary says, well, it could be like this until the February half term. I'm very, very concerned about that. And I think parents will be too. They need clarity uncertainty. Okay. And in terms of lockdowns, uh, it's a Keir Starmer's never taken, well, never missed an opportunity to call for uh, stronger, earlier, deeper measures. Um, he wanted there to be a lockdown within 24 hours yesterday. So so basically, he wants it to be announced tonight. Why does uh, your party leader think that a lockdown will work this time when it hasn't worked before? Well, I think it has it, worked to a degree, Has hasn't it? it? When? No, well, well, if you go back to the very beginning of the pandemic in the spring, we had a very, very stringent lockdown then, didn't we? We were all pretty well confined to our homes. And that did begin to bring the virus spread down. No, the infection to... rate was falling two weeks before we went into lockdown. Well, but it continued. Who knows what would have happened if we hadn't had that lockdown? Well, no, so, so it, got, it had peaked and then it I went think... down and you think it would have gone up again? No, I think I think I think it's really important to respect the the view of pretty well all scientists, Julia, that that lock that lockdown helps to reduce the spread of infection. I mean, we don't really need to be a scientist to understand that, do we? The more we mix, the more we spread infection. And this new strain, you express some scepticism about it. I am very frightened of it. Why? Um, seems because it seems to spread so much more. It seems to. We haven't we haven't gotten. There's no actual well, evidence has been presented. We for this. have, haven't we? No, because we haven't. If, if, well, we have, if you look at the sort of pattern, the graphs that I've been looking at, certainly, of infection rates in the last few weeks, once that um, new strain has been um, identified. And after the November lockdown, which was a less stringent lockdown, uh, was lifted, you start to see that graph rising 
really quite sharply. I would always rather be safe than sorry. I know lockdowns are really tough. I know you don't like them. Um, I don't like them very much either. I, I don't. I don't think policy should be made that isn't based on evidence. I think if you, well, I think if you try a policy and you, I mean, again, Wales had exactly the sort of lockdown which your party has been uh, calling for all this time. Um, if if you do it and it doesn't work, Wales saw infection rates go up during that lockdown, not even go down. Um, lockdowns work. While you're in lockdown, I mean, you you can lock you could if you lock, if everyone if no one leaves their homes, you can't spread the virus until you leave your home. How long should we be in lockdown for? Do you think? Well, I hope not very long. It's one of the reasons why getting the vaccine rolled out quickly is such a key part of the exit. How many strategy. months? It wouldn't I be have, weeks, would it be I, months? I, I, hope, I hope weeks, not months. But how can I say? I mean, I would also say, Julia, that if we can bring the level of infection down by a strict lockdown now, it gives the vaccine a better chance of being effective, it means it stays ahead of that curve and isn't chasing to catch up with the spread of the virus. Um, obviously, I recognise that lockdowns are, are damaging, you know, damaging for the economy, damaging for people's well-being, for our social contacts. You know, they're not great for human beings, lockdowns. I, I absolutely get that. But I would rather be safe than sorry. Um, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel with this vaccine. And I think um, a lockdown now with a very clear national single stay-at-home message and single set of rules would be easier for people to follow, would enable us to keep the virus um, under under control a bit more to give the vaccine programme a chance to roll out. And, and that's what we are suggesting. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.